Well, last week we kicked off our Advent celebrations by watching the clip from A Charlie Brown Christmas of Linus, uh, security, blanket, and all, reading the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2. Pretty familiar Christmas story reading. And it's a cute and nostalgic scene, um, but it ends with quite a declaration. When Linus, you know, no longer needing his security blanket, declares, and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You know, what, what a declaration. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now, as cute and nostalgic as a Charlie Brown Christmas is, I think this scene stands out because isn't that the sentiment that we love to hear and long to experience, especially at this time of year? Uh, peace on earth. I don't know if there's a more universal longing, especially for the kind of peace that we've been talking about and learning about uh, this month in our Hope Live series, what we've been calling Shalom Level Peace, where everything is as it should be for everyone, everywhere, at all times. Um, Yet, no matter how many times Linus has recited the Christmas story or how many Miss Americas over the years have wished for it, Um, we're all too familiar with the reality that we don't yet experience peace on earth. Um, In fact, it's often quite the opposite. Um, Just on my drive here, I was listening further to the latest status of the ongoing and escalating conflict in the Middle East. And we remember as well that the, the war between Ukraine and Russia is going into its second desperate winter. In addition to any and all of the other conflicts, you know, around our world or the, the local and global pains and tragedies we see in the news, then interspersed by what seem to be the never-ending culture wars of polarization. Um, and yet maybe you don't have to look that far. Because actually, just in your own life experience, you feel like you're uh, experiencing more than enough chaos and disruption, you know, in, in broken relationships or recurring conflicts. And take it one step further inside, um, all of this tends to add up to internal disruption, a, a sense of chaos and conflict inside. And we, we often live our lives riddled with anxiety and dis-ease. Um, experiencing anything but full and complete peace on earth. And if you can relate to that, um, as we wrap up this series, I want to share with us a little bit more about the good news of Jesus. Um, But I want to start by telling us about another time uh, when there wasn't peace on earth. Now, this comes from about uh, 700 years before the very first ever Christmas in the history of Israel. And the people of Israel at that time, uh, they found themselves far removed from the peace and shalom they once believed God had promised them. Um, This was hundreds of years after uh, what you might have called their own sort of Pax Israeli. We learned a couple weeks ago about Pax Romana, trying to conquer everyone around you to experience peace. And this was now hundreds of years after the apex of uh, the King David dynasty. And now they found themselves as a divided kingdom. 
They were plagued by war with their own relatives, and they were at constant threat of, of dominance and invasion by the surrounding nations. Um, it was a dark time and the furthest thing from peace. But even in the midst of the darkness, and this is something that has, is beautiful about the people of Israel through the story of Scripture, is that they, they weren't without hope. As the prophets of their time consistently imagined and envisioned a day when shalom peace would come, particularly through the birth of a Messiah, a Messiah that would change everything for everyone everywhere. The prophet Isaiah, he described this anticipated Messiah this way. Listen to, to what he says in Isaiah chapter 9. He said, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Imagining this in the future, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. See, in the midst of the darkness and the chaos and the conflict and disruption, the prophet Isaiah foretold a prince of peace whose government and peace, a shalom level peace for everyone everywhere, um, it would come and that it would never end and that God would make this happen. Now, if this prophecy sounds familiar to you, uh, it's because, like the passage that gets read in A Charlie Brown Christmas, it's a passage that we, we often read at this time of year because as a church, uh, we believe this Messiah has come in the person of Jesus. That the child born to us as the Prince of Peace is Jesus and that that's why the angels declared peace on earth when they announced the birth of Jesus. And that's why we see Christmas as such good news because we see Jesus as the long-awaited Prince of Peace who has come. But then the, the question for us today is, uh, if Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, you know, came into the world at that very first Christmas, then why still aren't we experiencing peace on earth? To dive into that question, I actually want to back up just a few chapters uh, in the book of Isaiah and the prophecies of Isaiah to, to catch an even fuller glimpse of the shalom peace that Isaiah declared, that Isaiah envisioned when the Prince of Peace would come into the world. Listen to how he wrote about this in Isaiah chapter 2. He wrote, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. It's basically a poetic way of saying that God's, God's presence and power will come and be established on earth. And then many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Friends, this is a powerful and compelling vision of shalom level peace made possible by the Prince of Peace. 
You know, the kind of peace where disputes between people are settled once and for all. Where uh, swords that were used for, for destruction and killing are, are, are turned into plowshares to be used for, for cultivation and for feeding. You know, where pruning hooks or, or where spears were, that were used for backstabbing are turned into pruning hooks used for harvest. A peace where, where nation does not take up sword against nation. You know, I think on the, the global scales of war, but also then for whatever that would mean for the wars across our dinner tables, you know, on social media, even sometimes across the church aisle. This was a, a vision of peace on earth that was baked into Isaiah's later prophecy in Isaiah 9 of the arrival of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. But if, if Jesus has come, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas, then why isn't this fully real? Why haven't all swords become plowshares and spears become pruning hooks? Why is nation still warring against nation? And why do we still find ourselves in so many conflicts, both externally with those around us and internally within our selves. Well, fast forward um, to Jesus's disciples in uh, the days leading up to his death and crucifixion. You know, throughout the, the life and teaching and, and miracles of Jesus, the disciples had, had slowly but surely become convinced that Jesus was, in fact, going to be their long-awaited Messiah. Um, but in those days and then hours leading up to the, the events of his death, they began to ask some of the same questions. You know, as the swords and spears of Pax Romana, you know, the Roman Empire continued to threaten and oppress them. Um, and as Jesus was persistently and increasingly making clear that fighting back wasn't going to be his way, um, their doubt about Jesus bringing peace on earth began to grow. As we heard a couple of weeks ago, many of these early disciples, and certainly the Jewish leaders, they then struggled to buy into Jesus' means and methods. As they seemed, they were just like a, a futile capitulation to the way the world actually worked, the way of Rome at that time in their day. But that is until they encountered the resurrection of Jesus. You know, while on the night before Jesus was crucified, you know, we still see the disciples garnishing and brandishing swords of their own, all in anticipation of, of wanting to fight their enemy, fighting towards the kind of, oh, the only kind of peace they ever knew. But then on the other side of their witnessing and trusting in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus, the, the death-defying and chaos-overcoming resurrection of the Prince of Peace, to the world's amazement, the earliest followers of Jesus actually began living out a revolution of peace. Began living out and experiencing shalom-level peace, becoming peacemakers in the world, experiencing peacemaker peace in a world uh, in a way the world had never yet seen it or known. Um, we catch some glimpses of this in, in the book of Acts, which, by the way, the book of Acts is actually uh, the second volume to the gospel writer Luke's story of the activity of Jesus. Luke, who wrote about, you know, peace on earth when Jesus was born, after his death and resurrection, wrote about Acts and what happened uh, among Jesus' followers. And listen to what we read about the miraculous coming of peace in Acts chapter 2. 
It says these early followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, if you ask me, that sounds a lot like peace on earth. That sounds a lot like shalom level peace. Um, And maybe even more than we realize at kind of the the face value of the story or or how it's translated to us, especially as you see how, how the New Testament unfolded. You see, this community and this shalom, it began to expand and include groups of people no one would have ever expected could even be in the same room. You know, this was peace that included people from different tribes and different tongues, different classes and different cultures, varied political allegiances and economic persuasions. These were enemies that were now becoming friends and sharing everything in common while together looking out for everyone and anyone's needs. And why did this happen? How did they come to experience this? Well, I think it's because they so came to trust and believe that Jesus was, in fact, the Prince of Peace. That Jesus had come to bring peace on earth, even if not everyone around them uh, saw it that way yet, saw Jesus that way. Even if the ways of the world and, and the ways of like war in the name of peace still raged around them. They actually came to believe And by believing, they lived as though the Prince of Peace had come and that his government and his peace started now. You know, not holding off for some further and future day, but today, living it now in the hearts and lives and communities of people who would trust Jesus enough to follow his way. You see, that's actually one of the key lines and aspects from Isaiah's vision about what it would take to turn swords into plowshares and spears to pruning hooks to experience the peace on earth that Jesus would bring. Let's review what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 2 verse 3. He said, he will teach us his ways. And he was referring to Jesus saying, Jesus will teach us his ways. Why? So that we may walk in his paths. Friends, if Linus is right that the meaning of Christmas is that Jesus has come to bring peace on earth. Then what we see from Isaiah all the way to Acts is that I think experiencing peace on earth has to do with whether or not we will trust Jesus enough as the Prince of Peace to actually walk in his ways, to actually follow his path, to become peacemakers in a world that often resists true peace. Because I think that's what it means to become peacemakers to a greater degree and be a part of bringing 
peace into the world, the peace on earth that we all so desperately long for. So what does this look like? You know, how, how do we do this in our time, in our day, in our lives, in our community? Well, so we, we've already heard this month, I've reiterated today, I think it, it begins by and continues in constantly resisting for ourselves and together the temptation to want to fight our way to peace rather than seeing that peace is the way. You know, and then as, as Annie shared with us last week, it, it comes down to consistently and repeatedly and increasingly practicing peacemaking in our everyday relationships and in our actions uh, through Jesus's instructions, um, even for, for dummies, uh, if I'm allowed to say that, you know, dummies like me, his instructions for navigating and resolving conflict. And what I want to say today is that it now means committing you know, with our full hearts and our entire lives to trusting and believing and following and growing in the way of the Prince of Peace who has come to make shalom available starting now for all who will trust in him. It's kind of a cool example or illustration of this. I was inspired recently when I came across um, an organization called Raw Tools, Inc., and uh, this organization is actually uh, somewhat affiliated with Shane Claiborne, who some in our community are familiar with. But, but Raw Tools, Inc. is an organization whose mission is to beat as many swords into plowshares as they can in the 21st century. But in our time and day, kind of what that means for them is actually beating guns into garden tools and any other kinds of instruments of peace that they can. We've got a few pictures here to kind of catch a glimpse of this. Um, what I find so inspiring about this is that these are people who actually believe that Jesus came to make this kind of transformation from conflict and chaos and violence to peace and shalom possible. To make it possible now. You know, not just for some future time and place, but for us today, for anyone who will trust Jesus enough as the Prince of Peace to follow his path. And while I think we should um, be inspired by and keep together looking for ways to participate in some of these significant, big, even global, if not political, acts of peacemaking, sort of on guns into garden tools levels, once again, I think so much of this begins and is most nurtured and transformed um, by trusting Jesus in our everyday lives and interactions. Uh, you know, whether that's with one another in this community, uh, in our, our households, with our roommates, or our families, with our, with our spouses, with our kids, um, with classmates and colleagues and neighbors, and even with anyone we have ever seen as an opponent that we would become these kinds of peacemakers, these kinds of peace on earth bringers um, by beating behaviors like gossip into loving confrontation and humble confession. By beating instincts like wanting my opinion to win the day uh, to actually wanting to understand 
more than I am understood. By beating uh, prideful, self-protective tendencies, you know, into vulnerable, open-hearted empathy and trust with one another. By beating my way or the highway stubbornness into the narrow road of mutuality. By beating grudges and unforgiveness into graciously making allowance for each other's faults. By beating uh, tight-fisted stinginess and self-oriented consumerism into lavish generosity and sacrifice to meet the needs of those around us. As a church, by beating, you know, pick a side polarization into third way oneness and unity in Christ. By beating lorded over power and control into becoming the last shall be first servants of all. By beating isolation, judgment, and exclusion into love, welcome, and having everything in common. All with our Prince of Peace, the person of Jesus, right at the center I think that's how we can experience this and become peacemakers in the world and even experience a greater degree of shalom level peace on earth. So what does this look like for you? You know, what, what sword in your life um, that hasn't bring, been bringing the peace on earth you desperately long for, may need to be transformed into a plowshare of some kind. Who have you been talking about um, in frustration and out of conflict rather than going directly to them to, to have a loving, maybe hard but loving conversation together? You know, what debate have you been fighting and arguing to the death to win. Um, but it's kind of feeling like death in your interactions. And what would it take to actually be um, quick to listen and slow to speak in seeking to understand another? You know, what, what grudge um, might you be clinging to with a death grip? But it's actually... Um, preventing you, keeping you from the freedom in Christ that can come when we just seek to explore forgiveness and experience a deep peace as far as it depends on us. What stuff, possessions, um, numbers in our bank accounts are we pursuing and striving for? Um, that is having us miss out on the shalom level peace of being open-handed with what we have to extend peace on earth to more and more people that need it. Friends, at the end of this series and on the cusp of our Christmas celebrations, um, the good news is that Jesus has absolutely come to bring peace on earth. And while our hope and faith indeed includes anticipating when, when Jesus will one day fully and finally establish uh, his peace on earth, his shalom peace for everyone, everywhere, for all time, when he returns again to restore all things as they're meant to be, um, in the meantime, as Isaiah prophesied, 
And as the first followers of Jesus demonstrated, embodied, the peace that Jesus came to bring is available now. All it requires is a trust in him to actually walk in his paths and follow his ways, living out a peace that is this way in order to participate with him as peacemakers and peace bringers to the world. We started this series with, with Jesus's promise that blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And this Christmas, this season, this era in our church, we have the opportunity and the invitation to actually put our trust in the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, so much so that we follow in his ways and become like him to be children of God with him, bringing peace into a world that desperately needs it. My heart is that we could become more of those kinds of people together, that we would trust Jesus enough to follow him in the way of peace, and that by him working in and through us, we would be transformed to be peacemakers in the world and experience more peace on earth together right here and right now. Let's pray. Jesus, we... Thank you that you are the Prince of Peace and that we can put our trust and hope in you, that you came to bring peace on earth, to establish it among us. And as was prophesied, you lived in such a way and taught in such a way to show us what it looks like, to show us what it takes, to show us that we can be a part of it, that we can be peacemakers and children of God just like you. Work in and through our hearts and our lives and our relationships to help us become more like you in that way, to help us see and then to follow and pursue the way of peace that brings hope to the world. We are grateful to be part of this together and want to keep you right at the center of it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.